Hey friends, thanks for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel today. We hope that God speaks to you in a personal, powerful way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Word of God with us. Great is our God. Amen. Come on, we just say that one more time. Great is our God. We just say that to, to Him. Great are you, Lord. Come on. One more time. Great are you, Lord. You know, I just love coming to church because uh, I just took a class, you know, for those of you that know, I'm in um, school to get a master's in theology, and I just took a class. It's called Being Church. And it's just all about the power that God installs in the church over the centuries and how God has used the church so powerfully to uphold his truth in the world. And a lot of times the church gets a bad rap and for right reason, right? It's made up of people that are hurting. It's made up of leaders that fail. Um, it's made up of human beings. But in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, the church is what's withholding the truth of the Lord in the world. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's strong. And when God sees the church, it's his beautiful bride, and he loves it dearly. And he said he will withhold it, and it will not fail. It will not waver, and it will, it will uphold against the gates of hell, the Bible says. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And so it is so amazing. When we come together, uh, you know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, I guess I just need to do this because I love God. I need to worship God. And those things are true, or, and I need to hear the truth of the word today and get, um, you know, realigned. And that's true, too. But when we come together as a body again and again and again, it is a powerful, powerful entity in this world that continues to withhold truth and love in the world that needs it desperately. Amen? And we uh, are doing that. We do this through crews, we do this, which are small groups. We do this here today. We worship Jesus. We hear the truth of the word. Uh, we have conferences like last week. We, we reach out through our 13039 project. We continue to share the gospel like Kaysen, Pastor Kaysen talked about. We can continue to push forward this bright light, the word of God. Isn't that awesome? So let's keep doing it. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your faithfulness. It matters. It really does. It matters. Your faithfulness, your being here, your, your, your tenacity, is. it matters. And so continue to be tenacious. That's a cool word, isn't it? <laughs> tenacious. All right, we're going to wrap up our series here. This is Authentic Self, um, and the name of this message is True Identity. We're going uh, to close on this. And I want to just share the heart behind this whole series and kind of wrap it all up. You've heard different people speak on identity over the last couple of months, really, almost, right? It's been almost two months on this series, and we've had a little interruptions. We had Pastor Steve with us last week. How many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Steve last week? I got to enjoy him extra much. You know, the, um, the, uh, his plane, he was supposed to fly out Monday morning, and his flight got canceled, so he stayed an extra day, and he stayed at my house. And so uh, he spoke into my life a little. He said, Rich, you're a father. It's time for you to be a father. And he's talking about to other churches. And sure enough, that day, uh, one, a pastor friend of mine called me up. He was in, bad, in a bad place. And he said, can I come over? I said, come on over. And Pastor Steve was there, and we got to minister to him. And uh, it, was, it was a cool thing. And so Pastor Steve is like a father of MFI, which is our covering, and it was great to have him here uh, a part of uh, the conference, for those of you who got to enjoy that. And then, of course, Sunday he's preached. 
So uh, it's great to have fathers. You know, my dad um, was, I think, I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but in sixth grade, I was in the choir. Please don't tell anybody. Um, just kidding. Because um, I can't sing, right? I can't sing very well. But out of my four people in the household, we had singing competitions, and I always won. So I guess I'm not that bad, huh, mess? <laughs> my sister's here. Um, so we sang this song in choir. It says, my dad's better than your dad. Oh, wait, I shouldn't sing it, right? My dad's better than yours. My dad is bigger than. My dad is stronger than. My dad is better than yours. And that was the whole song, and we just kept singing it over and over. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is, you know, I really felt that my dad was better than everybody else's. And so I sung that song with conviction, and still to this day, I still believe that song, that my dad is better than your dad. And, um, it's, you know, the truth matters. So just saying. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, uh, you know, the thing about being a dad now myself is that the things that our fathers do and say matter, right? Just like we talked about this church of just being, just being strong, just being healthy, just being here, it matters. It matters to the people that are going to hear the truth. It matters to those that struggle at times, those that come in need. The church matters, and so do fathers uh, matter, right? We matter to our family. We matter to our kids, and what we say matters, and how we act matters, and how we just be matter. Uh, likewise, it's just as true that when, when, ho- when fathers aren't home or there's no presence there, uh, that matters. It affects us deeply. And the whole heart of this, this authentic self, and even the reason why I bring up just dads, is because, you know, psychology and, and all these things have proven again and again how important it is of the role of a father figure in a person's life, in all of our lives. And uh, a lot of times we are, identify ourselves by the role that father figure played in our life, whether good or bad. And I know it's not all about fathers. Mothers have a huge role in this as well. And let's give it up for the mothers in this place. We love you. If it... they, they all affect us, right? Our parents affect us in so many, many ways. Um, and a, a lot of times, if, if we have a good parents and they pour into us and they speak life into us, you know, you can see the, the, the difference clearly between somebody that has been spoken uh, into their lives positively and those that have not been spoken pos- maybe negatively or not spoken at all, right? It's a very clear difference. I've been, I was a youth pastor for 25 years. And there's many times that uh, parents would come to me and say, hey, can you fix my child? <laughs> yeah, I wish to, Tiffany. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, you want me to undo 10 or 15 or 20 years of your neglect. You want me to fix what you, ha- you were supposed to do. Right? And so, you know, I didn't say it like that to them. Obviously, I'm a lot nicer than that. But uh, in tact, they didn't realize that they were the ones that caused the very being and how their kids uh, were behaving and acting many times. Now, I know this is not always the case. I've seen great parents and their kids just choose to go a wrong direction. But for the most, most of the, generally speaking, a lot of times the kids are hurting because they had a lack of their love from their parents or um, affirmation from their parents or even correction from their parents. It's very uh, easy to identify people that have abandonment issues. 
Maybe, maybe you're here today and you've had um, a parent or even a spouse that left you. And that deeply affects uh, who you are and who you become. Some people uh, always fear that they aren't good enough and go around their whole lives trying to prove how good they are because they were abandoned by somebody and now think because they were abandoned they weren't good enough for that person and so in turn they go the opposite extreme try to prove themselves to everybody and it never seems to work it never seems to fulfill because they have this hole from that abandonment issue or maybe uh, you had a father or a parent that just never spoke life into you, spoke negatively or was just harsh or maybe uh, uh, was, everything you did was never, ever good enough. And so your whole life you're just trying again to prove um, your value, you're trying to validify yourself and say, look, I'm worth something, I'm worth something, when it, really you feel like you're not worth anything because you were never told you were. Right by your parents, and so you go around trying to fill that, trying to fill that hole of uh, validation. And I've seen it again and again and again and again as a pastor and all different people. Uh, kids that have come in, but not just kids, but then it grows on to adulthood. The only thing, the difference between kids and adults with these issues is that adults know how to hide it better. They still have the issues. They just know how to wear better masks. They know how to be distracted better. They know how to, uh, you, know, you know, push it aside better without anybody knowing. Kids can't have a hard time doing that because they're hurting still so bad. And after a while, as we get older, we just kind of like push it aside and just get used to it. And before we know it, we don't even realize we have it. And so the reason why we're doing this series, this true identity, is because this matters. Because God wants to make us whole and complete again. Remember we talked about in one of these uh, messages how that in the beginning God created us perfect with love. And we were made of love. And we, um, all of our being was love. There's nothing evil in us. There's no impurities. There's no imperfections. And when God created humankind, that's how it was. And because of, of our choice, human's choice, to fall, to go away from God, sin entered into the world, entered into our lives in chaos with it, in chaos in our hearts. And ever since uh, we were born, God has been trying to bring us back to himself to get us back to that original state with him. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross, to forgive us for the sins that we've committed, to do all the wrong things that we've done, and to heal our lives, our broken lives, and make them right again like they should have been in the first place. I, I just said a mouthful there, and I think that, was, that is a powerful... Um, vision of where God wants to do with you and with me. We were broken, we were fallen because of our sin. We are broken and messed up because of the things that we've done. And yet God loves us. He died on the cross for us. And he comes and says, I'll not only forgive you, but I want to make you, the word of sanctification, right? I want to make you whole again. I want to make you uh, more back into my image. We talked about this, uh, I talked about this about a month ago. I want to bring you back to, to me. I want to bring you back in love with me. I want to make you back in my image again because you lost that image with sin. Now I'm going to bring you back into my image, right? Why does this matter? This affects everything we do. I once heard a preacher say, a lot of times we'll try to act certain ways and be certain people, but the, the, the truth is we leak out who we are. We can't help it, right? People that are 
evil Boston Red Sox fans, they can't help, they can't help but to leak out their, their glee of the Red Sox, although they shouldn't be too gleeful right now in last place, or second to last place, but uh, they, it leaks out, right, who you are. This is true about all things in our life. When we have issues because we don't feel loved, or because we were abandoned, or because um, somebody hurt us along the way, or we hurt others, or we hurt ourselves, uh, that affects us deeply, and we can't live wholly and purely any longer. And it affects how our decisions that we make. It affects how we treat other people. It affects what we're going to live for and how we're going to live. It affects everything about us. And so this series on identity, it matters. It matters that we know who we are or who we ought to be. And so I want to just wrap it all up into one thing. If I could tell you, uh, if God would want us to hear one thing of what he would want us to hear about who we are, it would be this. That every single one of you, if you've received Christ, you are now a child of God. You are a child of God. The Bible says it in Romans 8.14. I want you to turn with me to this scripture. The Bible says, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. I'm going to read it again. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Those that are led by the Spirit are those that have received Christ. No one comes to the Father unless they're drawn by the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit are us that are in Him now. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. So you were once slaves, the Bible says that you were once slaves to sin. And the Bible says you are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. You are one or the other, that's what the Bible says. You are no longer now slaves to sin so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. In other words, God, Jesus bought you with a price on the cross and saved you and brought you out of belonging to nobody or belonging to sin and being slaves of sin and brought you out of that. One of the uh, missions that we sponsor that is huge on my heart is a, is a um, organization called Love 146. And it rescues and helps people that were in sex slavery to come out of it and to be healed and become whole. They have homes across the world, and they, uh, when they join together with the forces of, uh, like police forces and stuff, and they go raid a place, they bring these girls out that were slaves, sex slaves. This is a horrific thing. And they go and they bring these uh, girls, but guys too, out, and they put them in these homes and help them to get back to the original South because they were so damaged and so hurt. And likewise, we were once slaves to darkness. We were slaves to sin. It had a detrimental effect on our hearts and our lives. It caused us death in our lives. And God came and said, no more. I am breaking the curse of sin and death on your life. And I am bringing you out of that and making you my adopted child. Isn't that awesome? That God did that for you. That he did that for me. And he continues to put us now in the home, the house of God, to continue to bring us back to our original state, to be more holy, to be more like him, to be more in love with him, and to be more loving. 
Uh, and then it says, and, we, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, we can call God our Father, our Dad. Right? You ever seen a little kid that's like, you know, hiding behind their father? Dad, Dad. You know, whether they're scared or whether they're just proud of him or whether, whatever it is, that's how we can be with Dad. This is the, the heart of this, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In pre-service prayer, uh, Bernie didn't know I was going to be talking about glory much today. And Kaysen referred to the word glory too, that we would share in his glory. And here's the scripture. They knew, neither one of them heard my message. They weren't part of the preaching team this week. Uh, but the Spirit of the Lord, I believe, is speaking to us that he wants, we've shared in his sufferings. We've, uh, we've sacrificed against sin and fought against sin and, and we've, we've suffered in different ways and we will continue to, but God also wants us to share in his glory, right? Isn't that cool? And I wanted to show you, this is uh, just um, sharing my heart with you guys today. Uh, Pastor Steve, uh, last week when he's here and he stayed with me a couple of days, he said, hey, I'm gonna put you on a text message uh, on Saturday nights, I, I send out these messages to different pastors in the, in the country, so I want to add you to it. It's like, all right. So this is, this is what he says to our church. He says, um, darkness and deception are covering the earth, but that's not our destiny. Glory will come upon God's people. The weight of his presence, the nature of his character, and the power of his kingdom. The glory of God is a magnetic power that draws people to him. Glory brings faith alive. People come home. Hope springs up within. And joy flows like a powerful river. My prayer for you today is that glory will increase in Believer's Chapel. May his presence inspire worship. May you preach with anointing and clarity. May God do miraculous in your midst. The glory of the Lord is when we feel the presence of God, when we're with our Father, when our Father does miracles, when his presence comes in and manifests, we share in his glory. You know, if I look back on my childhood and say, uh, what is the things that I remember most about my father? There's a couple of things that I remember him saying to me that I'll never forget. But the biggest thing that I remember about my dad is just that he was there. I can rely on him. Now, some of you have never had that. Some of you may have lost that, like I did when my dad died 22 years ago. 23 years ago. But God is a God that wants to be there for us for all time. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you in the highs and the lows. He'll be with us every place we go. He goes before us. He goes behind us. And he is with us. And God wants to be your father, your Abba father. The one that is there for you, whether you have an earthly father that was or was not. Whether you had an earthly mother that was great or was not. God wants to be the Abba father, to, to, to be the one that satisfies, to be the one that is there with you, to one that upholds you, and the one to give you your identity. That you are his child. You are a child of God. All through the scripture, it said it four times that you are children of God, adopted to sonship. We are his children. We are heirs, co heirs with Christ. We are his children. 
We are no longer slaves. We are no longer uh, serving sin. We're no longer, you know, a couple weeks ago, Kaysen preached on uh, that and as our new identity, we don't have to sin anymore. That we don't have to be trapped in the snares of death and the snares of sin that harm us and that hurt us. But we've been rescued, and so now we are no longer slaves to that anymore. The Bible also says uh, that in this scripture that we no longer have to live in fear. Whether you have abandonment issues, or fear, fear of failure, or fear, fear, fear of not measuring up, God says, no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, you are my child. You are mine. Right? I have six children. And last time I checked, none of them were perfect. Not yet. <laughs> this side of heaven, they will not, never be. But I love them the same. Right? God loves us despite ourselves. It has nothing to do with our performance. His love for you and being a child of God has nothing to do with what you, what you do or do not do. The only thing required to be a child of God is to have faith that Jesus died on the cross for you. If you have faith that he forgave you, then you are now his child. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to do a certain thing. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't act certain ways or not other ways. I'm just saying that he's going to love you regardless. Amen? That is clear. We no longer have to live in fear. We no longer have to live as slaves. We no longer have to live purposeless, aimlessly. I love one of uh, a preacher that once said uh, he had this flyer and he, he pulled it out and it talked about this retirement living down on the beach. And he's like, uh, you know, he's just making the point of, is this what your life is supposed to be about? Retirement on the beach. Now, I know in New York, this is kind of like uh, hard to fight against because a lot of us look forward to that. Yes, that's what my life should be about, living on the beach, sipping a cocktail uh, uh, in Florida or somewhere. But if that is all my life is meant to be, that I could retire on some beach somewhere, that's, I think we have much bigger purposes than that. So with God, we have, being a child of God, now we have a point. We have a purpose. We have a reason. The Bible says that before I, I knew you, I formed you. I formed you in the womb. That God knew who we were and that he has a plan and a purpose. Right? In Jeremiah, he talks about the purposes that he has for us. So we no longer have to live purposelessly for no reason. A lot of people are confused. What am I going to do with my life? Why am I even living? Why, what is the point of life? It's got, it gets even worse when they take away the sanctity of life. Like, why does it even matter to live anymore? Right? But with Jesus being a child of God, we have reason to live. We have points to live. We know that we are made on purpose for a purpose. That we weren't just some accident because two things that came from God knows where collided. Right? We have a point that God orchestrated this thing and that he has a reason for us. And one of those reasons is just to be his son and daughter. The primary reason. We, we are no longer, because we are children of God, we are no longer lost or blind or aimless, misdirected, right? This, this verse is, this, this uh, four or three verses I have here are just so powerful. You could go read them again and again and again. And I, I encourage you to, to go and dig into them deeper and see what the deeper meanings of. Because I could preach all kind of different things on this verse. But there's so much there that God wants to do in your life and to solidify 
and change in your heart. And by the way, that's what happens when we read the scripture. When we read this, it changes us on the inside. Things that we were taught that weren't right get realigned or corrected, right? Things that we start to pick up from society, God help us, start to get corrected when we start holding it to the truth of this word. This truth, this word, fights, pushes back against evil thoughts and schemes of the devil and, and, the, and, and, and the things in our society that would come to steal and things against the devil that would come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? This word upholds us. It's there for us, and it corrects those things. So get into it, study it, and this identifies and helps us to realize more of who we are as a child of God. We've got to dig into it. We've got to get, got to get stronger in it. We've got to be solidified because the enemy is not getting weaker. We have to uphold. We have to know. So anyway, I got off on a tangent there. Sorry. <clears throat> like they say, free preaching, right? So here we are. Why does this matter? We talked about why this matters, right? And why we need to know who we are in Christ. That we are children of God. But I want to just read a few things to you um, that the Bible says about who you are. Because you're a child of God. And this list is four pages long, so I'm not, five pages long, so I'm not going to read it all. But I just want to get uh, a few things here that you can kind of take away. But I want to also preface this by saying that unless you really catch this from the Spirit of the Lord. This will just go right over your head. And it'll just be like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Or, oh okay, I don't really comprehend that. My prayer is that today, that by the end of this message here in just a few minutes, that you would really let your Father, our Abba Father, speak to you and really confirm in your heart who you are as a child of God. That it would, something supernatural, we say we're a supernatural God, meaning it's beyond the natural. Something that I can't do with words, something that I uh, can't do, that, that somehow supernaturally, God will come in your hearts today and give you a revelation of how he sees you. And that you will no longer look at yourself through the lenses of how maybe your parents saw you, or maybe how you see you, but how God sees you. And that will start to be your new identity. And you'll start to see things how God sees things in you, not how you see things in you. Does that make sense? So I want to, before I read this list, I just want to pray for that, okay? God, we call on you. You are a supernatural God. You're the one that can change our hearts. And God, you're the one that has brought us out of darkness into your light. And God, in that light, God, we pray that you will continue to shine it bright, even within the deepest darkest secret places of our heart. God, that you would dispel the lies of the enemy, the lies of what we've been taught in our childhood or even in our young adulthood or whatever age we are. God, I pray, God, that you would let that light speak forth, shine forth, God, so that we can know and see who you have called us to be. God, we pray even over our minds right now. God, your word says that, that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, that our minds would start to think differently. Our actions would be different. And God, that we, our purpose would be set forth perfectly because of our identity in you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. So here I'm going to read a few. Number one, I said it already, right? I am a child of God. You are a child of God. But to all have received them, this is a different scripture in John. Those who believe in his names, he has given the right to become God's children. Number two, you are a friend of Jesus. I no longer call you slaves. This is Jesus speaking. Because the slave does not understand what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have revealed to you everything I heard from my father. Do you see the implications here? That God wants to reveal to you everything that he knows. You are no longer slaves. You are friends of Jesus. In other words, you can have the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You have been, number three, you have been justified and redeemed. But they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.24. You are no longer subject to the payment of your sin. Which would be a heavy payment. You are justified, which means you don't, you, don't, you don't have to pay that debt anymore. And you've been redeemed. Redeemed is you've been brought back to God. You've been brought back into a right relationship with the Father. You are his child, and now you are separate. You once were separated, but redeemed means he brought you back to his, to be a child of him again. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> you are not condemned by God. There, therefore, is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. People walk around, oh, I'm such a horrible person. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> but Jesus does not see you that way anymore. You're his child. He loves you. He has paid the price for your sin, and it's wiped away, and so he sees it no more. And so he sees you as his child first, and all the things that, that he's made you to be second. Uh, you have been set free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ Jesus has freed you from the law of sin and death. As a child, you are fellow heir with Christ. Right? That's the scripture that I just read. And if children, then heirs, namely heirs of God, but also fellow heirs with Christ. Right? We, whatever belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Can I just go a step further here? That when we, we uh, receive Christ... Christ starts to infuse, I used this word the last month or so, he starts to infuse himself into us, combine himself with us. The Bible says that when we, were in, when we walk in the Spirit, we even have the mind of Christ. Isn't that crazy? Like, we start, we become, we are co-heirs with, with Christ, but further, God is merging his, through his Spirit himself with us. And we are becoming more like the image of God and more like him as we walk with him and we continue to be faithful in it. All right, number uh, whatever. I don't remember, I lost count. You have been accepted by Christ. You have been called to be a saint. That's in a few scriptures. So you guys should start calling each other, hey, St. Mark. Hey, St. Brenda, right? You have been called to be a saint. In Christ Jesus, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's in 1 Corinthians. It says, he is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, who, beca- who became for, you, for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, righteousness means we were made right. We're in our right place. Sanctification means that we're becoming more right or more like Christ. And redemption means that we were once lost and he brought us back. We talked about that word already. So all these things are happening. Your temple now is a holy, is, your body is now the temple where the Holy Spirit lives. 
Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? The spirit of the living God. The, we serve a triune God, meaning there are three gods in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives now, not in a temple made by man once where the Spirit of God used to live in Old Testament, but now the Spirit of the Lord lives in you as children of God. That means that you have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, power to overcome sin, power to over, uh, cast out demons, power to heal the sick, to open blind eyes in the name of Jesus, spiritually blind eyes. You can pray in the Spirit and see things change and happen because you are co-heir with Christ and a child of God. Is anybody getting this? <clears throat> I, I, I read these, these scriptures. I believe they're powerful because I believe that God wants to dispel all the lies. Some of you have been believe more about the lies of the enemy than you believe about the scripture of what God says about you. You believe more about what your parents had said about you when you were a kid than what the Bible and what God, your creator, the one who even made you, and your parents, by the way, you believe, believe him less than you believe your parents and some of the lies that you've been told. But my prayer is today that God is doing a transformational work in people's hearts and minds, even in this place today, as we're reading this truth, because the truth of the word is sharp, the Bible says, like a double-edged sword that penetrates and it d divides truth and lies. And so let God work in your heart today. Let him, let him take these lies out of, oh, I'm a nobody, or I'm blah. That's a lie. It's a lie. God says, you are joined to the Lord and am and, and, and one spirit with him. We're talking about this, what's the word I used? I forgot it already. Fused, thank you. Somebody's listening. But the one united with the Lord is one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. God leads you in triumph and knowledge of Christ. But thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of knowledge of him in every place. The hardening of your mind has been removed in Christ. Some of us are hard-headed, right? <laughs> but, be, be, but the power of the Spirit can even soften the hardest of hearts. The Bible says it in 2 Corinthians 3.14 like this. But their minds were closed. For this very day, the same veil remains when they hear the old covenant read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. So when we come to Christ... That hardness, that blindness uh, is taken away. <laughs> Come on, tell your neighbor, thank God, right? Thank God you're not so hard-headed anymore. You are a new creature. You are a new creature. <laughs> Sorry. You are a new creature in Christ. So then, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look what new has come. Stop living in the old, you have a new way, a new life, a new identity, a new father, a new purpose. Stop chasing the old. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been made, with, uh, made one with all who are in Christ Jesus. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For all of you are one with Christ Jesus. That means we are all one body. We are fused together. We are brothers and sisters, co-heirs with Jesus as one big family. Isn't that awesome? I could go on and on and on with these. Um, I'll just go for a few more because... I believe God's breaking some things in here. You have been set free in Christ. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that slave, to that sin, to that stuff that God had rescued you from. You have been set free from it. You don't have to live that way any longer. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms in Christ. So whatever is in the heavens, we are blessed with. Uh, if you read your Bible a little deeper there, you'll, you'll get more excited because the Bible says that Jesus, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, everything on the earth and the heavens is his. And so we're co-heirs to Christ. So that means everything is ours. Because of God's mercy and love, you have been made alive. I can stop there, but you've been made alive with Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even though we were dead in transgressions, like Isaiah says, that it's our sins that separate us from God, it's our transgressions that separate us from but even though we were dead in them, made, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. You are saved. You are rescued. You are whole. You are complete. You are a child of the living God. You are co-heirs with Christ. Now live it. Walk that way. Talk that way. Believe that way. Have faith. Don't succumb to being... Rich, rifen. I am a child of God. I have the spirit of the living God that lives inside of me. Right? You do too. You are no longer who you once were. Walk in your new identity. Walk as if Christ were living in you and through you because he is. So like I said, unless you allow the Holy Spirit to really do this work in you, and it's a continual work, these words are meaningless. But I believe, and I know, I feel the Spirit of the Lord, of the Lord in this place, changing hearts and minds in this place. As these, these scriptures have been being spoken forward as powerful <laughs> weapons that God uses. I pray now, though, that you will take time to let your Father speak to you of who you really are. Some of you have some big obstacles to overcome in this arena because you were put down so harshly and for a long time by maybe not just your parents but other people too for many, 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 many years. But God can take you out of that. He can give you a new name, a new identity, a child of God. We need to be and live as children of God when God speaks to us, it's like no other, right? I speak about my father a lot. I love my father. My sister's here. She loves our father. We were very close to our dad. 
And one of the things, there's two things that I remember mostly that my dad said to me that changed the course of my life. The last thing he ever said to me was, Rich, I love you and I'm proud of you. Which, when a father says that, you know, you now have a um, structure to stand on. You're not a failure. You're not, oh, if I could have done more. It's like, oh, what is he seeing in me that I don't see, <laughs> right, some of the time. So the other thing that I remember most is one time I got in trouble. I don't even remember what I did wrong, but I remember that it was a group of us. I'm sure my sister was involved and some of our friends. And um, I, must, I must have led them into something that I was the oldest of all of our friends. And um, I hate, you know, I, I, I don't know what we did, but I must have led them or did something or not stopped something from happening. It was not good. And so I remember my dad taking me and sitting me down on the stairwell like he would whenever we had to have discussions, <laughs> father-son discussions. And I remember him sitting there, sitting with me there and saying, Rich, whatever it was, you know, he wasn't happy about it that we did. I can't remember what it was. But he said, Rich, you're the oldest and you're a leader. And so I expect more out of you than to <laughs> do what you just did. Now, some people say that's harsh. How could you put that kind of expectations on kids? But I was probably 12 or 10, something like that. But that, my dad saw something in me of leadership that I didn't see in myself or realize at that time. And so when he spoke that to me, I started to realize, you see, you had to understand, I was the kid that when my friends came to my house and said, hey, do you want to come out and play? I said, yeah, but I have to do these chores first. You want to help me? And the whole neighborhood would be helping me do my chores. <laughs> so I just be telling them what to do. See, God had put a gift in me, a leadership that I didn't even realize, but my dad did. And my dad pulled it out of me and said, this is what I see in you, that you're supposed to be a leader. See, fathers speak life into us. They speak of who, they ought to speak life into us, but nobody does it better than our Heavenly Father. And God wants to speak life, just like my dad spoke life into me about being a leader. God wants to speak life into you with whatever your calling and whatever your purpose is. And call you out, call those things out of you that are dormant and hidden, that you may not even realize exist in you. He wants to pull them out. But in order to do that, we have to be with our Father. We have to listen to our Father. And so tomorrow, and even later today, I want to urge you to take some time, carve out some time in your schedule to just be with God, to be with your Father, and just to ask Him, God, I know how I see me. I always talk to you about it, right? But what do you see in me? As your child, what do you see? And we know these scriptures that I just read to you. He sees all those things. And he'll see some even more specific things about each and every single one of you. I see you, Chris, as a minister, that you're going to reach many, many people for Jesus. Right? I speak to you, Stacy, that you're going to help a lot of people come overcome horrible obstacles that have 
been blockades in their life and help them to get through it and overcome it, right? God speaks to us only the way that he can, and he'll continue to do that. Carve out time to be with him so you can hear from him. What did he make you for? Because he made you for a reason. Obviously, we have crews, small groups that help us with this, and we just finished up our book on identity called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. If you never got a copy of that book, I have some copies, I have extra copies. Come talk to me after service, I'll give you one, if you'll read it. This talks about your identity in Christ and who you are, that you're no longer slaves or paupers, but you are kids of the king. And so if you want one of those, I would love to, if, as many as I have, I'll hand them out. Be with Jesus, talk to Jesus. He wants to help you walk with all that he's called you to do. Amen? Amen. All right, that concludes our identity series. And I, I, I hope you see the seriousness of it. And maybe some of you still need to process through it. Go back and watch some of the um, sermons online. Get into a crew. Talk to uh, myself or, or Kason if you want to talk about some of those issues. We have counselors here, actually, too. And more than anything, even right now, I'm going to ask as Bernie comes, uh, the prayer team to come. And the prayer team, a lot of them have a prophetic edge and can speak into people's lives as well. So prayer team, I'm gonna ask you to come knowing that. And if you need to hear from God even right now and you say, you know what, I'm maybe lost in my identity or I'm lost in my way um, and I'm not sure who I am, I'm confused and all these things. We live in a confusing world. We have an identity crisis in America, don't we? Nobody knows, seems to know who they are. But God knows who we are and who we ought to be. And so if you're confused and you don't know who you are or who you ought to be, come and ask Jesus on your own time. And even come and ask these guys to pray for you, to, that God would help release what he has for you in your life. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's our hope that you will make today that day to call upon the name of the Lord and to give your life to him. If you'd like to speak to a pastor, please take out your phone, text 315-444-2100, and somebody from our team will be in touch with you. Also, if you're making the decision to follow Jesus from the first time today, text the word Jesus to that number, 315-444-2100, and we would love to celebrate with you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.